The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next half hour. As always, an open, frank, honest conversation about gambling addiction. I always make the point when we start the show of saying that we don't espouse any particular beliefs because how you conquer addiction is a very personal thing and not everybody believes in every method out there. That being said, gambling addiction is real. And as gambling, uh, legalized gambling, continues to grow and grow and grow, there are no doubt countless of people and families out there that have no idea today that a show like this is going to be helpful for them sometime in the future. As always, joining us from the Council on Compulsive Gambling in New Jersey is Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, Craig. Good morning. How are you today? Doing really well, thanks. And uh, very happy to have with us from the New York Council on Problem Gambling, Rachel and Colleen. Uh, Ladies, thank you so much for joining us this morning as well. Good morning. Thank you for having us. So I guess, uh, Rachel, I'll start with you. Colleen, obviously feel free to jump in. You know, uh, we all know that New York has now legalized gambling. It's not here yet. You can't do it on your phone yet. But we know it's coming in uh, in short order. So give me an idea of how you guys are ramping up for the inevitability that the amount of people that have a problem is going to grow and grow very quickly. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because we definitely know that um, problem gambling is going to be growing quickly with the legalization of mobile sports betting. Um, over the past uh three years now, really, we've opened um, problem gambling resource centers across the state. Um, And at those resource centers, uh, we have been training and working with um, private practitioners, clinicians, um, to be able to treat folks who are having gambling problems or family members of people with gambling problems. Um, So we've, we've really got a good system in place for providing treatment um, and helping people get to recovery for problem gambling. Um, and as we, you know, as more and more comes out, we're also going to be working on different avenues for prevention and media just to get the word out that there is help and hope for people who are affected by problem gambling. And also that, you know, we can do a lot of work around prevention to help some people not become addicted. All right, I want to get to prevention in a second, but for the people out there that are listening, you know, I talk about this with Dan all the time, and I say it respectfully. You know, when I hear a commercial for a gambling uh, place or location, and at the very end they throw out, if you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You know, no one hears it. No one pays attention to it. So marketing, unfortunately, marketing is a, is a needed you know aspect of what you guys do. If there is somebody in New York that feels like they have a problem or a loved one thinks they have a friend or a family member who has a problem, how do they reach your network of uh, therapists and people that can help? Is there is it the same number? How do they get in touch with people? Hey, Craig. So this is Colleen, and I am one of the program managers for the Problem Gambling Resource Centers. Um, I work specifically in the Mid-Hudson region, but we have seven resource centers across the state. Um, so the best way for them to find help is actually to visit our website, nyproblemgamblinghelp.org. 
And on there, we have the entire state. You can find, you know, the county that you live in and the, the resource center to call, and you'll be connected to one of our program managers who can work with you to find the best fit, you know, time that's available, days that are available, whatever Great. clinician's going to work best for you. Great. So now, Dan, let me bring you in on this. You know, we talk <laughs> about prevention, and it's uh, we're talking more and more about it. You know, the, the, the websites, the casinos, the online entities, you know, they have an amazing amount of data about everybody that, that you know, signs up and plays. They have algorithms to know exactly how to market to people. That, that's going to force, not force, but that's going to encourage somebody to take money out of their pocket to gamble more and gamble more and gamble more. They can also use that technology, as we know for a fact, to also make them aware that somebody is a potential problematic gambler. Dan, for someone like you, when you talk to people like Rachel and Colleen, thus far, what has been the most successful attack on preventing somebody from getting into a position where they ultimately have a problem? That's a great question. You know, we, we, we talk and tackle it at the stakeholder level. So when I'm working with Rachel and Colleen, we also work with the entities. We work with the operators, the people that are providing the services to gamble to say, listen, these are real people. It may not seem like a high percentage. It may not seem like a lot of money in some cases, but these are people at the end of the day that have families. They have issues. And the operators have been largely receptive. One of the areas that we focus on in the state of New Jersey is having a quarterly working group meeting where we bring the stakeholders, all the operators, the horse racing, the lottery, we come to the table and we talk about the issues that are in front of us. And the issues that we've talked about the last two quarters in particular has been the rapid rise of marketing. Now, what makes it challenging is that the operator can understand the concern and the challenge. But after the meeting is done, if we don't see an outcome or a resolution or a change, was that really an effective meeting? So I think there's this ongoing conversation that's being had about how do we show prevention? How do we exercise caution and care for individuals who are playing too much? Pop-up ads, time limits, responsible gambling limits, those are all part of it. But what else can we do? That's been the challenge. What else can we do to get people the help and the resources and to help prevent harm in those who are playing on your website? I mean, I've got the answer to that. You know, New Jersey's got the largest handle in the country now, bigger than uh, Las Vegas. But if you have a gambling license in the state of New Jersey, your only requirement is $100,000 a year to, to yep. be spent towards responsible gambling. Is it the same in New York, uh, Rachel Cullen? Do you guys know, as part of the um, legalization of mobile sports betting, if there's going to be a requirement to make a certain amount of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, take a certain amount of revenue towards responsible gambling, or is that not set up yet? Um, right now, the way that it's looking is that um, for when mobile sports betting comes online, there is going to be six, uh, $6 million earmarked for prevention, treatment, and recovery services. Okay. Um, based on the amount of revenue that is expected in the state of New York, um, you know, like we feel that's a, a really low number. So we would love yep. to see um, a an annual <clears throat> percentage be written into the budget. Um, yep. legislation, uh, you know, bills were written by the assembly and Senate, both in New York state, um, to put in 5% of all the revenue, hmm. um, which, which was really nice because I think that gives a fair chance to prevention and 
treatment and recovery and for the folks who need the help to really, one, learn about it, and then, two, actually be able to receive the service. Yeah, I think that, that's the thing that troubles me the most. And you know, I don't, yep. I'm not asking uh, Rachel Colleen about your personal background, but I'm a compulsive gambler. And although I'm sure I would have denied the help and did deny it when people asked me about it, I also was completely unaware of what was available to me. And that's to me moving forward now being an admitted compulsive gambler and trying to spread the word that there are great groups like Dan's, like yours in New York that offer you know, great uh, assets to help people. I don't know how to connect what you all do to the person like me. And I think that's the uh, the troubling disconnect here is making people like me aware that people like you exist. And that's what troubles me the most. I think that's a fair point, Craig, because oftentimes when someone calls our helpline uh, and they live in New York, I'll give a recent example where I just worked with Rachel and Colleen. We had someone who listens to our show call up. He identified as a family member. I was able to go on the website the Problem Gambling Resource Center found where he lived, directed him to the appropriate parties, and now we got the treatment that his, his family member deserves. But that's only because I know of Rachel because I'm in the industry. Right. And so, Craig, your point is, is well said. There needs to be more marketing because we see all the commercials for the gambling operators out there. There needs to be more marketing to say, hey, this is available. This is free. Get the help that you deserve. It's just the, the, the advertising and marketing just can't keep pace with the small budgets that we have. That was Rachel's point. We're woefully underfunded in every state because there's no federal dollars that are earmarked for gambling addiction or recovery. Is that right? There's none? There's zero federal dollars right. allocated for gambling treatment services in the United States. It's all at the state-by-state level. Colleen, you were going to jump in on that? Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I agree. You know, there definitely would be nice if there were some some federal funding. But I think just to speak to um, the point about family members, too, as as you were talking about that, you know, I think it's important to know um, that family members can get help, too, and they can get help through our program. Because like you said, the gamblers themselves, they might not be willing or ready to reach out for that help. Um, so it's nice to know that we can provide support and services for family members as well. Yeah, I want to get into that. Of course, this is also uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, so we're going to get into that in, in a moment. Rachel and Colleen joining us, the New York Council on Problem Gambling, and Dan, as always, from the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling, uh, talking about the uh, services they offer. And I, I don't mean that in a manner as if, you know, it's a drive through type of place. You know, it's legitimate, it's serious, it's saving lives. And uh, we appreciate you guys all joining us today. We'll continue with more of Hello, My Name is Craig right after this. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig, talking to Rachel and Colleen. They both work with the New York Council on Problem Gambling and, as always, Dan Trelaro, New Jersey's Council on Compulsive Gambling, better known to you as 800-GAMBLER. Rachel, I, I want to ask you about mental health. You know, Absolutely. you know, a lot of you know, it's. I always had a problem when I was first coming to terms with the fact that I was a compulsive gambler, that I'm an addict, for lack of any better word. That gamblers, for some reason, are viewed in a different light than any other type of uh, addictive personality, different than drinking, different than drugs. And I say that based on one word, and that word is degenerate. 
You don't call someone a degenerate alcoholic. I've never heard that. I've never heard that this person is a degenerate, you know, drug addict. They're addicts. But when it comes to gambling, you're thought of as a degenerate gambler. And I can tell you firsthand that that did play a role in my kind of obstinance and refusal to accept the fact that I was an addict because I didn't feel of myself as a degenerate. And it played with me from a mental health standpoint. And I wonder if you guys uh, could speak to that a bit. Absolutely. Um, Craig, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought this up because I think the language that we use is so impactful. So calling somebody a degenerate gambler, um, that adds a huge amount of stigma to the person who is addicted to gambling. And I don't, I don't even call somebody with a gambling problem a problem gambler or a gambling addict. Um, because I, they are a person first, and I think if we're mm. calling somebody a degenerate gambler or a, you know, a problem gambler, um, you know, like that hurts. Like you know, the old phrase, like sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, like that's that's not true. Um, I think many people are hurt by words, and I think um, when we're able to call somebody a person and a person with you know, a, a problem with a mental illness, with a gambling disorder, with gambling problems, um, we can see that they really are a person. They are more than the gambling behaviors that they are doing. And, and Dan, I'll bring you in that as well. Yeah. You know, we've talked about it a lot. You know, the suicide rate of uh, compulsive gamblers is incredibly high. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to, you know, tell you what I think they are, but you can speak to it better than I can. And it's a real issue. You know, the addiction uh, takes control and it does lead to depression. Sometimes, you know, suicide, suicides, attempts, you know, crime and a lot of other things. And when you refer to these people as degenerates, first and foremost, it does uh, have an impact. Yeah, you know, if we if we remember that one of the reasons that people gamble and we focus on the escape reason here, right, escaping a problem that I don't know how to deal with or I don't want to deal with, um, escaping emotion, escaping things that I have to, to cope with, that's where you start going down that negative mental space, that negative spiral. And I think Rachel makes a good point. Our One of our former employees, uh, treatment coordinators at the New Jersey Council, really um, impressed me with the use of language that we always treat people first right? You're a person with an alcohol problem. You're a person with a gambling problem because your identity is rooted in being a person. Your identity is not rooted in the gambling or the alcohol. When, when people experience homelessness, right? They're a person who is temporarily experiencing a homeless situation. I mean, you can, you can think of how you can change your language and it changes one's identity sure. because that will help then reduce the, the, the outlook the person has on their own life. They're not a degenerate. They're not worthless. They're not useless. I mean, these are the, the, the buzzwords that we hear. What I will say about the word degenerate, we actually saw this in real life a couple of years ago when we had a company from the UK advertise on the US site, the bottom tagline of their website said, if you or someone you know is a degenerate gambler, call 800-GAMBLER. And we said, no, we don't use that language here. There's such stigma. But in the UK, they didn't see as much problem with that language. So language matters. You know, and when we're speaking with people, we have to do so with respect and always approach it from person first. Yeah, but I think, you know, I I think that that sounds great. And, you know, Colleen uh, and Rachel said it as well. But our reality is that 
the way the the average person out there thinks of uh, a gambling addict is as a degenerate. So in addition to getting people help and trying to, you know, make sure people are aware of the addiction and get help for the addiction or for a loved one, you know, the, the secondary part of that, I think, is then ultimately changing the narrative of how people view those of us who are gambling addicts, right? I mean, that's how, that's how kind of, it's almost like, you know, there's multiple streets we'll have to travel down. Number one is getting everybody help if you can. Number two is the, you know, I remember, you know, I have kids with Tourette's and I have Tourette's. And, you know, one of the, when I started a foundation uh, for kids with Tourette's, every day of the week, I was uh, asked a question about whether or not my kids curse, you know, blurred out curse words. Because that's how Hollywood has represented Tourette's. And the reality is that far less than 1% of people with Tourette's ever curse out uncontrollably. It doesn't happen. But mm. the image is that they do. So while we're trying to find a cure for Tourette's and help kids with the tics, I view gambling the same way. You know, we have to do these things on parallel streets, right? We have to, number one, get people help, let people know that help's available to them, but also separate from that, but at the same time, try to change the narrative of who is a gambling addict. Because in my experience, and you guys can speak to this better than I can, I've met school teachers who are gambling addicts. I've met lawyers who are gambling addicts. I've met bus drivers who are gambling addicts. It, it, it knows no boundaries. And I think ultimately, if we can get that message across, that becomes very powerful. And Colleen and Rachel, I'll let you guys kind of speak to that for how you guys see the future of what you guys are doing, knowing that, you know, the mobile sports gambling is around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a big part of kind of destigmatizing is around education, right? And that's part of what we do here too, is, you know, we, we do presentations, we do trainings, we have workplace toolkits, things that, you know, can help you or your organization kind of destigmatize that language, um, make it more normal for people to know that it is an addiction and, and you can get help and there's help available. And especially, you know, as we see, the expansion of mobile sports betting, you know, we do anticipate there, there may be higher, higher calls coming in. So we want everyone to be prepared and know, you know, about gambling and what the what the negative consequences can be for people. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that. It's I've said many times in the show, you know, I won $4 million in three days playing blackjack in the Bahamas. That doesn't make me a degenerate. Right? Uh, you know, you know, in theory, positive things could have come from it. What made me the addict was that out of, you know, five days, so add up the hours there, 120 hours of being on vacation, I was by myself for 70 of those hours. That's the addiction. And that yeah. those are the, the things and the aspects of the addiction that someone without the addiction or, or you know, not just without the addiction, but someone who's not related to the addict or sees the addict, you know, exhibiting that behavior, the rest of the world just would never know about it, you know? And that's where we've always seen gambling addiction, uh, prevention and treatment as a grassroots effort, right? I mean, it, the New Jersey Council has been around for 38 years, and it's grassroots. It, it's trying to find a spot at the table. It's like the, we're like the, um, the young kids sitting at the kid table, and we want to get to the grown-ups table, right? And that's what we've been fighting for for so many years, because we know, Craig, you and I know firsthand how devastating and how bad this can get. And to spread that word to other people and then to have them buy into it in a way and to say, oh, yeah, you're right. This is it, you're not just morally weak. 
right? Or you're just not a degenerate like we talked about. There's actually a, an addiction. There's a disease. Dr. Fong said, you know, the brain just thinks about gambling differently, right? Yeah. We don't think about it the same way as maybe someone else does who doesn't have the problem. So we're, we're fighting for a seat at that big, big person's table. Well, Colleen and Rachel, I want to give you guys one more chance. Uh, what's the website again? And then what's the uh, kind of lasting thought you want our audience to have about what you guys are trying to do uh, in New York? The website is nyproblemgamblinghelp.org. And if you log on there, you'll be able to find, you know, where you're located in New York State, and we'll be able to connect you with a therapist who's highly trained in problem gambling in your area. Um, you know, with now that everything is telehealth, we have telehealth appointments so we can connect you with the therapist who is best going be able to meet your needs the best. Um, and also with... Um, our program, it's not going to be of cost to you. Um, we're able to provide reimbursement to our clinicians so that if somebody isn't able to pay for treatment because they have lost a lot of money um, due to their gambling, we're able to, to pay for their treatment for both the family members and the person who is gambling. So that, that's huge. I encourage anybody who is thinking, like, I don't know if I have a gambling problem. I'm not sure. You know, you guys have made me think about it. Call. We can get you hooked up with uh, an assessment. You can connect with somebody. Um, but I think, you know, final thoughts, there are a lot of services available in New York. Um, not only do we have therapists, we have connections with other, you know, recovery groups. Um, we have great connections with the GA and Gaminon in our state. Um, and they have, actually, they have a, an open meeting upcoming that's combined GA and Gaminon, open meeting for anybody who is like, I don't know. I don't know if that's me. Sometimes I gamble and yeah, there's problems, but I don't know if I have a gambling problem. Um, come to the meeting, contact um, the New York Council on Problem Gambling, and we can get you the information to get to that meeting. Um, but I think you know, our main message is that there is help and hope for people. Um, and don't be afraid to reach out and ask. I know, you know, we call it, um, we're the New York Council on Problem Gambling because we're hoping to get people connected to care before it does become, you know, like the diagnosable mental health disorder that is gambling disorder. Um, if somebody is exhibiting signs of one problem, like we will work with you so as to hopefully prevent further harm. Well, I appreciate what you guys are doing very much. If I can ever be of service or if you ever need me to or want me to speak to uh, at any of your events, uh, definitely uh, count me in as uh, trying to help uh, the cause. And thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate uh, both your time. Thank you so much, Craig. It was wonderful to be here. And I appreciate you guys putting in the time to help share our message. As we know, we don't have big uh, marketing budget. So. Yep. Well, I'll help as much as I can, and you guys keep doing it because you're saving lives legitimately, and I, that's not an overstatement. So I appreciate what you guys yep. are doing. I look forward to seeing you in person, and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you Thanks so much. much. Well, Dan, you know what they're what they're going through. You know, it seems like uh, they're on the precipice of what's going to be an explosion now of uh, new gamblers as mobile sports gambling uh, hits the state of New York. You've lived through that, both as a gambler and, of course, in your capacity in New Jersey at, at the council. It's going to be interesting uh, what New York does and what kind of resources ultimately the state provides for for their group and others like it. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, sometimes I think the states aren't really aware of the, the, the landslide of calls that they're going to get. Just in the small sample size of states around the country that have reached back out where I've spoken, they said, wow, you're right. We're getting a lot more volume on our helpline. We're getting people reaching out, visiting our website. I think p- people kind of say they're, they're expecting it, but when it really happens, they're kind of shocked by it. Uh, this past Thursday was Mental Health Action Day. This, of course, is Mental Health Awareness Month. And if you don't mind just walking people through a little bit of uh, of what it's like for a gambler or a gambler uh, family member when they call your line and when you hear the despair in uh, the experience that they're going through. And the flip side to that, which is you can get help and it can get better. And for me, you know, I take mental health seriously now. Because I've lived, I've lived it, and the most important message I would put out there, and hope that you do as well, Dan, is that it's never as bad as you think it is in the moment, and it can get better. Yeah, it's instilling hope, right? I think you just kind of hit it on the head there. When someone calls up 800-GAMBLER, we're going to take the time and, and treat them person first and get them the hope and the help, not that they need, but that they deserve as human beings. Right. This is this is a current temporary situation and we want to provide the best resources, whether that means a counselor, whether that means a recovery uh, through peer support, a GA meeting, other mutual aid support groups. We just want to give someone hope. That's the thing. Some people call up. It's, you can just see that little flicker of light is dimming. Right. That hope, that pilot light, like I like to call it, is, is virtually almost about to be extinguished. We don't want that to happen. We want to let them know it will get better, that they've made an important decision that will impact their future in a positive way. And we want to help navigate that process and, and come alongside them and walk that journey to get that journey started with them. And allow me to say, even if it's not a gambling issue, if you are feeling depressed, if you're not feeling right, if you feel like the walls are caving in on you, please pick up the phone and call somebody, call anybody, talk to somebody. Because whatever yeah. you're going through, my gut is that there is a way out and there is hope and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Even if it's not gambling, which is the focus of this show, mental health is serious. And all you have to do a lot of times is simply pick up the phone and it gets better instantly. And I hope that those of you that are listening to us, if you are the person that's feeling that way, you'll do that. If you know someone that seems off, you should call them too and see how they're doing. And hopefully uh, you'll save a life by doing it. Dan, as always, appreciate your time and we'll get you next week, buddy. That sounds great, Craig. You have a great week. Look forward to it. That is it. Hello, my name is Craig. Uh, Evan Roberts is next. And then, of course, Monday at 2 o'clock, Evan and I get at it again with all the New York sports happenings over the weekend. Enjoy, be well, and be good to each other. Take care.